The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. What's so amazing? BPI presents Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern on ACB Media One or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers, and me. All of us under its spell. We know that they're probably magic. Have you been half asleep? Welcome, welcome, welcome to Pride Connection. I wanted to call everyone together here today so that we could talk about some of our favorite LGBT books and what they mean to us. Media and representation has come quite a ways, especially in books and literature in the last five to ten years or so, but representation in Every area, not just LGBT, but all the ways that make us diverse and unique is important because I heard someone say, you can't be what you can't see. And if we're able to see others doing something like what we want to do or being strong and brave or embodying any other qualities or maybe having similar experiences then we feel inspired and we feel good and equalize more of what is represented out in the media. So before we talk specifically about our books, does anyone have any thoughts about uh, representation and why it matters as much as it does? I feel like you're, you were talking about books and if you, if you can see it, then you can be it. And I was thinking about, and I was going through and looking at Bard today and looking at the LGBT collections. And I was looking at it in the audio versus the braille. And I saw the first book that I ever read when I was like, oh my God, am I gay? And there wasn't a ton that you could find doing the searches, but it was this book called Am I Blue? And it was this collection of these short stories, some of them decent, some of them basically all about family rejection and all that stuff. And I mean, it was from the 90s, but I feel like it's amazing to see how differently representation has changed and improved and, you know, more things sort of feel like more accurate representation of, I don't know, the human experience, I think. Right, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. Anyone else have thoughts about that? Just the obvious one, that if the media had been more representative for while I was growing up, I think it would have been a much uh, easier path to come out to be who I naturally am, to not have so many hang-ups and concerns. And I think it would have been easier for the straight people in my life to accept 
me and those like me if there had been more representation to start with. I think saying that, oh, you kids have it easier today is really cliche. <laughs> and in some places, it's absolutely not true. But more media representation in books and movies and in television shows really does help. It helps society move forward. So that's how I feel about the importance of it. Thank you so much. That is so true. Not only can we be it if we can see it, but others around us will tolerate us being it if they can see it as well sometimes. Anyone else have thoughts? You know, I guess I'll throw something in there. I mean, this is sort of repeating what other people have said, but I mean, it's so true. When I read a book and I feel like the protagonist is similar to me, I get more bonded to that book. When I see myself in the pages of a book, I can more readily fall into that world. And it feels good to, you know, have someone, a character who is similar to you going through a fictional or non-fictional story and you go, yeah, I can relate to that. Uh, I just read a book recently called, uh, oh shoot, what's it called? The Country of the Blind, which is, has nothing to do with LGBT stuff or anything like that. But uh, it was essentially a book about someone who is blind, who was going through the process of learning about being blind and all of the things that we do, you know, screen readers and, and canes and stuff like that. And they were a newly blinded person which I can't relate to because I've been blind my whole life. However, I could relate to the fact that they are blind and, um, you know, the things that they had to learn, I had to learn too. So, you know, blind representation is important. So is queer representation. Yes, it is. Thank you so much. Okay. So who has a favorite LGBT book they've read recently that they would like to recommend? Jessica, um, I have... One, actually, that I read a few years ago that I was thinking about. Okay. This book is called The Great Believers, and it's by Rebecca Mackay. It was written in 2018, and it is a, it's a historical fiction novel about the AIDS crisis in the mid-'80s. And it's different than a lot of other books that I have read in that it kind of goes through not just the pain of that time period, but it sort of looks at the the young men and, and who they were as main characters before AIDS really started hitting their community. And it takes place in, I want to say Chicago. And the main character's name is Yale. And at the beginning of the book, he's just decided to be monogamous with his partner. And he discovers a little bit into the book that his partner has not been monogamous. And, and it goes through the fear of worrying about the diagnosis. You know, and then, of course, it starts going through the pain of, of loss that these men are facing. And... I think for me, it was just, it seems so real and, and vivid. And you read a lot of books about New York City and, and San Francisco in that time period. But this was from a different landscape. It was a cast of characters that I just thought was particularly 
poignant. I found myself really getting into the story. And I also have to say the book is in two parts. The first part is in the 1980s. The second part is the sister of a young man who died of AIDS, looking back 20 years later, trying to find her daughter. And she ends up kind of thinking about that time and and place. So it's kind of a look during that sort of like hell time and 20 years afterwards. Um, The book won many different awards. It won a Pulitzer uh, for fiction. Uh, It it won a bunch of other awards after it was published. But for somebody who maybe thinks they've read everything about the, the AIDS crisis or for anyone who would like to read a fictionalized account and maybe isn't as familiar with the 80s and really the the just ongoing, I probably seemingly never-ending crisis during that time. I think it's just an exemplary book. This one is on Bard. That oh. sounds like a great historical account. Thanks for sharing. Who else would like to share? I'll go next. I'm going to take you from the serious history of our people to uh, to the goofiest stuff I can think of. Um, this one is not on Bard. It is on Amazon Kindle. It's on Audible. This one is called <laughs> It's Not Unusual to be Loved by an Alien <laughs> by Chloe Archer. And it's about a boy who lives with his uncle. He is an orphan. His parents were killed in an accident. And his, his uncle's kind of a stoner and he's kind of, he's really nice and he's an artist and everything, but the kid just kind of feels like there's something missing. And then he notices some suspicious behavior of his neighbor, Tom Jones. And it's not the Tom Jones, but <laughs> he, he ends up following the neighbor and discovering that Earth is a refugee space. It is a, it is a refugee planet for aliens who have lost their their homes or or have been exiled or, or you know whatever this is a place where they come and try to blend in as best they can to human society and there's a whole like center that that coordinates and tries to make it a viable refugee camp for aliens in this in Nevada in Las Vegas which is hilarious um and the kid's a total sci-fi nerd so he's super excited about all this and uh, the the book basically chronicles his discovery of all of this, and then also his falling for one of the alien team members, who is trying to sort of keep a lid on everything. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of fun if you're a sci-fi nerd like I am. There are so many references to Star Trek, Doctor Who, any any sci-fi property you can imagine, and it is it is so funny and lighthearted. And um, the plot's really good. There's a, it's actually a currently a three book series on Audible, and there are, there's another book coming out in a few months. So, I really love it, and uh, and I hope that you guys get some laughs out of it too. That sounds really good. Um, that sounds like for someone that really likes sci-fi, that would be a, a really interesting adventure. Thanks so much for sharing. Who's up next? I've got a book. So I, I, it was really difficult for me to choose a book because there are so many good ones that I've read this year. 
but I think what I'm going to do is recommend three books by one author and they're all kind of in the same realm or the same vein. So they kind of, they kind of all go together. So the author's name is Casey Plett. Uh, she is a trans woman uh, from Canada and she wrote her debut novel, Little Fish, uh, which is about a trans woman growing up in Winnipeg, Canada in the late 80s, 90s and 2000s coming out as trans and uh, you know all the crazy things that happened in the trans community and it was just exceptionally good uh, talking about her family dynamic and you know the things that she lived through. She also talked a lot about addiction and she talked a lot about um, some of the hardships that some trans women face and uh, so that was a really great novel. And then she went on to write two uh, additional books that were anthologies. One of them was called A Safe Girl to Love. And another anthology that she wrote was A Dream of a Woman. And they are anthologies of short stories about various trans women and, and trans people and non-binary people, queer folks in Canada and also in Portland, New York and a few other places. But she also did the editing on a anthology of science fiction stories written by trans women called Meanwhile Elsewhere. So if you're interested in sci-fi and you want to read some stuff written by uh, trans women, uh, she did the editing and she wrote the foreword to it. But uh, there's some really great stories in that anthology as well. Those sound really good. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. So I have one that I would like to recommend that I read several years ago. So the book is Juliet Takes a Breath by Gabby Rivera. And it is about a young Latina Hispanic girl. I think she lives in New York. And she really looks up to and admires this like white feminist author who's supposed to be so cool. And so she goes to Portland, Oregon for the summer, and she just kind of comes out to her family right before she leaves. So everybody's all in a turmoil and a kerfuffle about that. And she interns with this author and thinks she's wonderful. However, there's a few things that are a little problematic, but the protagonist can't quite put her finger on it. And then it kind of all culminates when the author is going to give a reading and the author says something like, well, you know, this is my assistant and I have her in my program because I had compassion for her and, you know, look at all the good I'm doing. And that was just not a thing that sat well with Gabby or whoever her character is. So she leaves Portland and she goes to Miami to see her cousin. And her cousin is very affirming and she goes to her first big queer party of her life and meets a bunch of people and then ends up going back to Portland to kind of say to the author, you know, people are complicated and we're all still learning, and I think the author kind of apologized, but kind of didn't. And then in the end, the 
I think the the girl ended up going to Miami to be with her cousin. So that's a really good read because I like the way that it's written. There's this expression in the book that describes how bad the public bus smells in this particular city. And it's written with a lot of self-assuredness and expressiveness and this protagonist is not afraid to say what she thinks and I admire that. Anyone else have one to share who hasn't shared yet? Can I just ask a question, Jessica and Bryn? The books that you mentioned, where are they available for, for people listening to Pride Connection that would like to know how they can get a hold of those books? Yes, thank you. Um, Juliet Takes a Breath was available on Audible when I listened to it several years ago. I okay. have not checked Bard to determine if it's available on Bard. I seem to recall a while back running across it and saying, oh, they finally put it on Bard, but I don't know that for sure. My book is available on Libby. That's where I got mine. All four of the books that I mentioned are available on Libby. They are not available on Bard. However, I am actually reaching out to Casey to see if it would be possible for her to get her books added. And maybe I can get her in contact with the Talking Book Library because, um, you know, her her books were incredibly, uh, there was a lot of self-identification in there. I really enjoyed just reading the stories of, of uh, trans women that are around my age and it it was just like man i i want to i want to read more stuff like this and i wish it was available on bard cuz it would be more accessible to more people hey jessica marco here can i go yes go right ahead thank you all right so i have a couple of books that i'd like to recommend the first is the song of achilles by madeline miller this was published in 2011 i believe and in 2013 she won the orange prize for women's fiction So basically, the Song of Achilles is a retelling of the Iliad, the Trojan Wars, from the perspective of Patroclus. Um, And in this particular retelling, it focuses on the romantic relationship between Patroclus and Achilles. So um, basically, it just goes through the events of the Trojan War up until, well, we know what happens. This is not a spoiler, but until Achilles dies uh, in the end. But from, from the perspective of a character that in the Homeric epic wasn't really mentioned. So Madeline Miller um, in the novel took all of the different um, accounts of the relationship of Patroclus and Achilles from authors like Ovid and Plato and um, Euripides, Sophocles and Aeschylus. And she wove this tale of these two characters, not as, not as simply friends, but as romantic partners. So it goes through, it chronicles the meeting, events surrounding the meeting, the developing of the relationship, and the subsequent um, events in the Trojan Wars featuring Patroclus and Achilles. The main idea for, for the book is Patroclus is such an important character in, in the Iliad. If we think about it, if not for Patroclus, Achilles wouldn't have been martyred he wouldn't have died as a hero but um in in the homeric epic he was mentioned briefly and so the idea behind the novel is 
to tell the story from somebody who meant a lot to Achilles, the supposed hero of this tale, and and telling it from from Patroclus um, from from Patroclus's um, perspective. I love this book. It's a good retelling of the Iliad and the Trojan Wars. It's a story that everybody knows, but um, told from a different perspective, which really changes um, the whole dynamic of, of the Trojan Wars. I just wanted to let people know that's available on Bard. That is available on Bard, yes. Um, and the two other books that I'd like to recommend are a series. There are a pair. It's the Aristotle and Dante books. Uh, the first book is Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe. And the second book is Aristotle and Dante Dive into the Waters of the World. So um, this is by Benjamin Elias Sands. It's available on Audible and also on Bard. The only thing is the two books on Audible are read by the amazing Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, but the one on the ones on Bard, only the second book was read by um, LMM. Uh, the first book was read by someone else and I forgot. So um, just know that, that uh, the Bard version, the first book, uh, Discover the Secrets of uh, the Universe, is read by someone else. So basically, the, the premise of the book are two teenagers in 1980s Texas who are, well, not only discovering themselves as teenagers, but discovering themselves as young queer boys. Um, they met, and they cannot really pinpoint what attraction they had to each other. Um, so it's, a, it's, a, it's your classic coming-of-age um, tale between these, these two boys. But what sets this apart for me is, is the way that it deals with um, the period, because it's the AIDS crisis, and there's so much propaganda going around the quote-unquote gay cancer. And this makes their, the, the kids' lives a lot more challenging because here they are trying to reconcile what they're feeling for each other. And yet the world tells them that there is this disease affecting gay men. And they also deal with finding their, their chosen families among friends and allies, being each other's support systems, dealing with grief, a loss, and really growing up because essentially they're high school sweethearts and but they met during their senior year and they realized well what's gonna happen we are gonna go to college what happens to this 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 love that we were nurturing so it's it's a nice coming of age story it's it's a fun read it's a page turner the first book has been turned into a film um last year unfortunately it didn't come with audio descriptions so um go ahead and check out the book <laughs> read the books <laughs> thank you so much those sound really interesting as well when you mentioned Madeline Miller it reminded me of how much I enjoyed Circe by Madeline Miller which is pretty much yes. every other famous Greek tale told through the perspective of the women does anyone else want to share who hasn't gone yet I was going to try to sneak in really quick just because I'm I've snuck away from the child and the blasting loud iPad and I'm can I is yes it okay if I go really quickly go right ahead way? thank you I'm so glad you're here okay so um I'm gonna share two and I really thought Tristan was going to do this first one but since he didn't I get to um and so these are just books that I've read in the last couple of months not long term, like the best ever in the world, but these are ones that are in my in the front of my mind. So the first one is Murmuration by TJ Klune. And 
So the book starts out, you see this character and he's really confused and he's kind of like, I, I am here, I'm walking down this road, but I don't understand who I am or what's going on. And I'm just kind of surprised by everything about myself as, as I'm walking down the road. And suddenly he crosses into this town and it's this physical experience, painful, jarring, shocking, kind of horrific experience as he prepares to cross the road into this town of Amoria. But as soon as he walks across the road, he passes the sign, he's in the town, everything clicks and he understands that his name is Mike and he works at a, he owns a bookstore and he has this guy that he really likes named Sean and this town is wonderful. And it's like the idyllic 1950s town. There's the diner and just, you know, all the women, but all the women in the town that, you know, they have their little book club and they do all these things, but they're really focused on getting these two guys together. So I, you know, for me, I'm reading this book going, but how, like that would never have happened. Um, and so as you go through the book, you learn about all the characters, um, the, the various townspeople, and these little blips kind of bleed through that make you go, oh, there's something more to this story. What is going on here? And the book is about understanding what is going on. Who are these people? How did it come to be that these two men could just be inherently accepted as these men that everybody wants to see, you know, be together in the end? Um, and it, it, it was amazing um that one is not on bard i think it's on um, audible um but hopefully they'll put it on bard they do seem to be putting up a lot of his books so hopefully they will do that and then the second one i just read it this week i was going through facebook and i saw somebody go oh hey tell me about your favorite books that you read in 2023 and here were my two and i thought this person was a really interesting, cool person. And so I looked up her books. And one of them was called True Biz, um, B-I-Z, by Sarah Novich. And that stood out to me because I knew um, an ASL interpreter, and they used that term a lot, like even just speaking to non-deaf people, um, because it's a really common phrase in deaf culture, true biz, which means like, yeah, um, no S or for real, or I'm not kidding you or, you know, whatever. Um, and so I, I got into this book. Um, it's by Sarah Novich, N-O-V-I-C-H. I don't know if I said that or not, but um, it is the story of, you see various characters, but the main character, her name is Charlie, and she is a totally deaf teenager who, when her parents split, the dad wins custody and immediately he says, cool, you get to go to the deaf school now. And obviously there was this kind of push and pull with her parents. Her mom was a pageant coach and wanted her to have a cochlear implant, didn't want her to learn sign, wanted her to really learn to use the implant and, and pass basically. Um, and so you see her <clears throat> and she's going to the school and kind of no language, like trying to figure out, well, how do I 
I went from this school where I didn't fit to this other school where I don't fit because I don't know anything. Um, and it is only LGBT in that the director of the school is a hearing woman who has a wife and you see sort of the subplot of well, what's going on in their relationship, but also she is a hearing child with deaf parents. Um, and so that's how she kind of worked in the realm of learning ASL and kind of getting involved in the school and becoming the director. And I really liked the book because, you know, in terms of blindness, I think it was Bryn was talking earlier about having that shared experience and that common thread that we all understand. And I liked this because it taught me about another level of disability and things that I hadn't thought about, like the fact that there is, there was um, one character in the book and she felt like somebody was sort of making fun of her for the ways that she signed her words. And she's like, hey, you're just being racist. This is black ASL and different things that I'd never really thought about or known about. Um, learning about um, the fact that a lot of the cochlear implants didn't work and the the push to cure and heal people and, you know, revival healings like people wanted to do to blind people. I mean, it's it's so pervasive in other disability groups as well. And I really enjoyed just kind of learning more about cult, the deaf culture, um, the pride that comes of being intergenerational, like long-term deaf um, across generations in the families. And, and it, it was it was just really cool. And it made me think and showed me another perspective. And I liked it. That sounds really good. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm also looking forward to that story as well, because I like learning about other communities, other disability. So often communities of people with disabilities are sort of siloed to their one specific disability. And in one way that can be good because it's good for people to share what common experiences they've had and what solutions will work for them. But also people have to think about considering access for all, meaning how do we meet the needs of people who have lots of different disabilities so that we can unite and become active for the same things and the same goals that will help everyone. Um, oh, another Pride Connection topic that we could explore for sure. Yes. Welcome, welcome, yeah. welcome, Anthony. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, this is Anthony down in Miami. Um, and I approached it coming tonight with um, my favorite books of 2023. And, um, you know, although my very favorite one really isn't, you know, suited for this conversation, but I will say go get Liz Cheney's book. It's it's really, really good. Um, but the tube that I picked, the first one is A Strange and Stubborn Endurance by Fez Meadow. And I, my book choices are going to have a theme tonight, actually. And this is not, um, it's accidental. Um, it's the story of this um, high society kid, uh, well, man, who's been a kid most of his life. And, you know, he is, um, it's in another world, but it's supposed to rep kind of replicate the Victorian times here, you know, in, in England and, and the United States. Um, and so 
he's not allowed to be gay, but he is. And um, a whole lot of coming to terms with it, coming out, talking about society. And then he finds himself in this weird arrangement where he has to go to a neighboring country for a peace treaty kind of thing. That's the exact opposite. It is a very open society. Everybody is celebrated for who they are, et cetera, et cetera. There's um, every kind of character that you can think of, non-binary, gay, straight, um, you know, there's magic. There's, it's, it's just such a, it's a gripping book. Um, but it's also very political. It takes you through, you know, the caste system kind of, so to speak for, you know, how society puts people, whether they're intellectuals or they're manual laborers or they're this or they're that, how much money you have, um, and, and uh, the fight for, are we free or do we have to live by a set of rules that, you know, a couple of people put down. It's it's an amazing book. Um, I am I'm a sucker for romance novels, and and um, I read a lot of different genres and a lot of heavy materials. So after a heavy book, I like to pick up something that's fun and frivolous. Um, Nora Roberts, yay yay yay! But um, this next one is Red, White, and Royal Blue by Casey McQuinston. Um, they actually made a, a movie of it, too. I think it was on Netflix, but really, really cute. The movie definitely did justice to the book. Um, and the reason that I say I had a theme tonight, because this is definitely a royal um, son of the president. And, um, you know, the spare prince, there's, you know, the heir and the spare. The spare prince sort of um, hate each other. They're frenemies, and then they fall in love. Um, and all the political implications. I, I love my political intrigue, um, but also all the emotion of falling in love and what do I do? I'm in this position where I am really not supposed to be gay, but, um, and I'm actually in love with the guy who is in the same position as me, weird. Um, it does have a happy ending, which is great, um, but there's a lot of, of uh, coming to terms with things and, and, and the real emotional journey really like kicked my butt in in such a good way and the movie did it justice i will say so those are my two books yeah i was going to ask you anthony about the movie if you've seen it or not because um i yes. love it, it that was one of those books that i i put it on and i didn't sleep uh me, I, me either <laughs> yeah i was obsessed i was i was like doing dishes with the book on in the shower and i put the anchor speaker on i was obsessed with it yeah, it was one of those books where I was really damn tempted to take a day off of work to finish reading, and I didn't. But but I wanted. <laughs> um, so the the movie was good. Would you recommend? And where do we go to see the movie version? Oh, you're gonna kill me. I don't remember if it was Netflix or Amazon Prime, but it was audio described. The audio description was great, and honestly, it was it was one of the movies like when you read a book and you see it on Hallmark, and it pretty much follows the entire book. This is one of the ones that it, it matched the book, you know, uh, scene for scene, dialogue for dialogue. Uh, I was really, really happy with it. It's very, very cute and very somewhat sexy. <laughs> you know, if you're into the man-man thing. Awesome. That sounds really good. I've been hearing about Red, White, and Royal Blue for several years now, but have not actually read it. And I think I'm going to have to change that. Who else would like to share? Hello? Yes, go right ahead. Uh, my name is Ulysses Harmony Garcia. Some of you I might know. Um, 
I you I'm a trans person of color. My pronouns are she they. I used to teach uh trans voice training at your lessons now LLC for a while. And before I got started, I just wanna um point out here for like disclosure purposes, I'm actually blind and hard of hearing. So I definitely appreciate the intersectionality of being blind, hard of hearing, LGBT and all of those aspects. Um, so I'd definitely be interested in checking out that book that you recommended um, about the deaf, you know, because I, I just recently read uh, a, a book about a deafblind man written by a, a queer author, Blair Fell. But that's not the book that I'm going to be talking about today. Uh, also, I should have preface saying that I don't use Bard primarily. I use Bookshare mainly because of its um, daisy and you can use a braille display or screen reader. Um, so I wouldn't know if it's available on Bard, but I also uh, would also check out um, Kindle, see if it's on there. Um, but there's a series that I heard about on Goodreads, and I check out Goodreads whenever I'm, I'm out of books to read. And I was just looking up one day LGBT books to recommend, and I came across this series written by a queer author. And one of the things that I really love is sci-fi, science fiction, especially if we have the chance, of, a slim chance of becoming real, like science fact, whether it's like gene therapy, stem cells. So there is a book uh, written by Melinda, M-A-L-I-N-D-A, Low, L-O-W. And she wrote a series uh, based on Charles Darwin's um, natural selection. It's basically about a protagonist who gets involved in a car wreck but when they get blocked out, like when they when you go unconscious, they wake up and find themselves in this strange, an odd feeling womb. It's like an artificial womb, and you can spin yourself around it. Uh, a couple of days later, they wake up and notice some very strange things happening. It turns out, uh, I'm not going to get the whole plot away because I like to get check out the book, but it turns out that they've been injected with alien DNA. And so that DNA allows them to be more empathetic towards others without even realizing it until they take classes in the next uh, series or the next book. They take uh, classes in like kind of like meditation. Um, and the best part is the teacher who teaches them is non-binary. So even they, um, the characters couldn't tell, um, but you know, based on the voice or whatever, what, what gender they were. They sound like the theory, I, I would imagine they would sound like theory voice five if the gender neutral voice. Um, but, I mean, of course you can't really hear what it sounds like in a book, but that's just my guess. And so they were talking about how do you navigate issues where you, you, know, you can't use he or she pronouns because that's not what they identify with. Um, and so the character, who is considered like an alien, uh, explains that in, in their language, uh, it's just con kind of pronounced weird. It's pronounced in Rhea. Um, they don't use pronouns, the traditional uh, ma you know, male and female pronouns. And so they have uh, identities that are considered like male, female, non-binary. Uh, and so that's really what I like about it. And also the, the protagonist and the alien character actually involved in a, a kind of a lesbian relationship for a while. And the fact that one of them is alien and we have alien DNA, uh, the question then becomes, uh, do, do we want to trust people uh, to consider because they, they were they were basically experimented on. No, like no, they were not given any warning or anything like that. So there's a little bit of a conflict there. Like, uh, you know, there's some themes of like betrayal or conflict or conspiracy theories. And so if you if you kind of like that kind of stuff, 
and the science fiction aspect of it, I would totally give that a read. So that's my my book for today. And what was the book title again? Because I, I missed it. Oh, but I, I it's a series. Um, there are three books, I think three or four. Uh, one is called Natural Selection. The other one is called Adaptation. And then the last one is called Inheritance. Thank you, Ulysses, for sharing and welcome to this group. I'm glad that you're here. Mm-hmm. It's an honor. Yeah, I like Melinda Lowe. I also read Ash and The Huntress because I like fairies and magical stuff like that. Is there anyone here who has not shared yet? Um, I have a second book um, because I am a nerd and proud of it. Um, and and uh, I, I did the sci-fi and now I will do um, the fantasy for those who are into a little bit of magic. This is an author, again, unfortunately not on Bard. Um, this is on Audible and Kindle, and um, it's the first of currently four and soon to be five books in a series. Um, it's called Misfit Mage by Michael Taggart. T-A-G-G-A-R-T. And this is about a guy who, um, the first scene, <laughs> he's, he is being pursued by somebody who wants to, clearly wants to kill him or beat him up or something. He's in a hotel and he's running out of his room naked because he didn't have time to put on clothes before this person came after him. So there's this whole chase scene through the hotel. <laughs> and, um, and uh, it's it's uh, he, he ends up getting unfortunately captured, and then he has his break his breakout moment where he uh, becomes a mage and um, manages to get rid of the attackers. But uh, the story proceeds from there. That's not as much of a spoiler. Um, it is it is full of humor. Um, it it is um, it is not I would say a uh, deep book, but it is fun. Uh, I'm kind of your your king of light reads today. Um, but but there's some pretty intense stuff that happens, and and he comes to understand a lot more about himself, and uh, he meets some people along the way that become his chosen family, um, and he he does of course fall in love with a uh, sexy incubus, um, <laughs> and. Uh, it's and the incubus has has trauma of his own that that he also has to has to deal with. Um, it's 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 really great and and um, I, I I can't recommend that series enough. Um, what's interesting about this particular author is um, he does what Harlan Ellison used to do. Harlan Ellison, of course, the great sci-fi author from the '60s uh, and and '50s through like the '80s, I guess, really. Um, he's up there with Ray Bradbury. He used to go into a bookstore and he would start to write a book and he would post pages against the window of the bookstore. And, and as people would go by, they could read the story as it progressed. And um, what Michael Taggart does is he has a YouTube channel and he puts, um, he reads each chapter of the book he's currently working on to his YouTube fan group and um, and so we kind of get a, a glimpse into the book really before too much editing has happened and um, 
you know, it kind of, it, it's neat that way. It's, it's, uh, it's a neat process to see how, how it all comes together. Um, but, uh, but I only, I only caught on to that in like the third or fourth book. Um, anyways, I think, I think that's a really good, um, balance to the sci-fi as we have some fantasy there. Thanks so much for sharing those. I especially like the sound of the sci-fi one. Well, thanks all for your book recommendations. I also wanted to ask if anyone has a favorite genre. And if so, what is your favorite genre and what does it say about you? I think for me, it's sci-fi. Um, and it's always best when there's a gay protagonist um, because I identify with that. But um, And I think urban fantasy. It's kind of a tie almost between the two of them for me. And the reason is... Um, this is going to sound a little weird, but for me, this world that we are currently occupying is a lot, and um, I don't. And I and I when I say science fiction is my favorite, I'm talking about space science fiction or parallel world science fiction, not post-apocalyptic science fiction, because this world that we live in, there's so much going on here, and it it can be so heavy. And it can be so fraught with um, disappointment. And I read to escape. It is my, it is my um, get out of reality free card. Um, and and to to imagine that I am, um, you know, on a starship or that I'm a mage or put myself in those positions of these characters, it allows me for a time to step away from all of the um, nonsense that surrounds us. And, and I think um, it's especially wonderful when the protagonists of the stories are in some form of LGBT. So I have a very similar genre of choice to Tristan in that I love science fiction. Um, I like sci-fi with humor in it. So, you know, think Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy type stuff. Um, you know, so I, I, I like a little bit of um, quirkiness or just oddball humor. Um, I really like sci-fi or any story um, where it's not, you know, let's make it darker. Let's make it grittier. Let's make it sadder. You know, it, it, you know I, I like my science fiction to have a hopeful message in it. Um, I would say my second favorite genre right now, because it's pretty much mostly what I'm reading right now, um, is, uh, you know, LGBTQ plus books, um, primarily trans authors, um, just because, you know, I'm, I'm exploring my transness and I want to read lots of books about people um, going through the same stuff that I'm going through right now. But any books by queer authors are kind of at the top of my list and um you know because often even if the author isn't trans um uh, there's often non-binary trans um character you know non-binary non or trans characters uh or 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 people that are experimenting with gender um there was one book tristan that you told me about um where there was a, a drag queen named helena handbasket who was a, a really fun character to explore. And I was thinking, 
you know, I wish that they would have a book all uh, about their story and like focus more on that character. And they did. I can't remember the name of the series right now. It's or the called author. Tell Me It's Real by T.J. Klune. Yeah, the T. And Tell Me the, It's Real. Uh, was that a series or the, was the, that? The series is called Until You. The The first book is Tell Me It's Real. And, mm -hmm. then, um, and then there's like four of them. Yeah, and there's there's a book specifically focusing on uh, Sandy's story. Uh, the and Queen and the Homo Jock King. Yes, yes, the Queen and the Homo Jock King. T.J. Klune. I love T.J. Klune so much. He's a wonderful author. Is he going to give us a sequel to Murmuration? Because I want one. I don't know. He did mention that one. that was that was one of his favorite books to write because he wanted to take a spin on like the Twilight Zone side of of things. Um, yeah. And and he didn't. Uh, but but I didn't. I don't know if he's gonna do that. He he gave us his first science fiction um, title in in the Lives of Puppets, which is on Bard. Yeah, I saw um, that. I put that. I downloaded that. It's quite good. It's it's quite good. Uh, talk about radical acceptance boy, that book really goes deep into that. <laughs> I think for me, I find that I kind of vacillate between kind of, I don't want to say dark, but they have the dark undercurrents, the abuse and the, like, um, I was talking with friends and they were talking about sexual assault books and things that are really hard to read. And so I had this period of a week or two where I read my dark Vanessa and all the ugly, wonderful things and golden boy. And I was just like, I, wh why am I reading? Then I've been reading the VC Andrews because I remembered my sisters used to read that and I didn't have access to that stuff when we were kids. And now I'm reading these and they're horrific and shocking. But I also then find that on the other side of that, I think that's why I really liked things like Murmuration because, you know, it's that sweet, hopeful no matter what somehow things can be okay because I need that escape too I need to escape into the lives of characters with you know these kind of romantic undercurrents and there was one that I read called One Last Stop and it's um, a, a little bit about time travel um, and it centers around two women and, and it was nice and sometimes I just want not super fluffy, but a little bit fluffy and nice and hopeful, especially especially with this coming year, this political year. I just want some happy escapist fiction. That that book, One Last Stop, just it, that's also by Casey McQuiston. It's uh, the same author as Red, White, and Royal Blue, and that is a really good book. I read that a couple years ago. This is good, yes. We can definitely escape, especially if we have a good fantasy book or maybe a good book about time travel or history. Who else has a favorite genre they would like to share? Can I go? Yes. So um, I'm, I'm a literature major. I'm in my doctoral program. So I read a lot of heavy stuff. So for personal reading, I like to take it easy. Um, and I, I like urban fantasy and science fiction and young adult. Um, in fact, the two books, uh, well, the three books that I shared today, uh, The Song of Achilles and the Aristotle and Dante books kind of fall into that young adult um, genre. 
Um, so these are the three that I like, but it really, I, I tend to gravitate towards books that have oddball, misfit characters and uh, queer characters. Um, it just, it just, it just gravitates. I, I just gravitate towards those books because professionally I read so much heavy and dense stuff that in my leisurely reading time, I just want to sit back with with a nice light read with you know a cup of coffee or a, a glass of wine and just and just read and laugh and giggle and find my happy ending you know um well song of the police is not a happy ending but you know aristotle and dante definitely um has has a happy ending um and so i i tend to gravitate towards um towards these genres and especially misfits and oddball characters uh, underdog stories um uh, these are the things that I gravitate towards in, in per my personal reading. I relate to that with the YA stuff too. I was talking to a friend of mine recently and she said, you know, I'm sure people judge me because I'm whatever age she is, some, somewhere in her 30s, I'm reading YA and I'm like, listen, I'm 45 and I am enjoying it more now because I can, because we have access to it and because there is that everything is possible. And it feels good to go back and to read that and to see hope, especially because it usually is for these characters who are struggling so much. And yet, you know, they're they're going to be OK and, and you're cheering for them. And and it, it's that hope and positivity. It, yeah, it feels good. Agreed. And, and I also enjoy um, YA material. Same. It's it's it is nice to see. Um, in a way, it goes back to our first topic of representation, um, being able to be a young adult and, uh, and feel like these other people like you are are being seen and 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 having a life and and, and the possibilities are open for them. Um, and, and it's. In a way, it's a little bittersweet because you, you know, if you're an adult and you look back and you're like, "Damn, I wish I'd had that when I was a teenager," but, but really, um, it's very hopeful. Yeah, and and I mean, on one hand, it is kind of sad that we didn't have them when we were growing up, but um, now that we're older, there's there's there are no rules saying that we shouldn't enjoy these things, and I know. I know other, you know, literature people might frown at me for saying this, but um, there's nothing, I, I, there's nothing objectionable for me, at least. I don't find anything objectionable about adults reading young adult literature or even children's literature. Um, um, and for me, too, um, I, I guess I have a professional interest because when I teach these classes, like, you know, my, 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 um, adolescent literature class or, or, or contemporary literature class. These are things that my students are reading. And so I, I, I have to read them. Um, and not only do I have to read them, I enjoy reading them. So it's a win-win. And um, there really are no rules. Who, who gets to say what we can and cannot read? So I, I, I think we should just read whatever we want, even if it's you know young adult or children's literature, even if we're very much far away from the target market. Indeed. And I think if we can't, you know, people who get so caught up in, I'm an adult now and I've put away my childish things, um, they really, well, pardon, but my mother would say they need to pull the stick out. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> 
why is it important to make sure that everyone has the freedom to read and the freedom to listen and the freedom to access books that we want and literature that we want and basically why are book bans terrible the people that that ban books are historically if you look at the the history of book bans throughout the world they've never been the good guys um it's terrible because you are trying to restrict people's thoughts you are trying to restrict representation trying to restrict um, how people perceive the world if 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 a, a government or a or an agency or, or or a school system or whatever can control um, your 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 actual view of the world or your view of people then they can control your um, votes they can control your impressions they can control um, you and um, books, especially books, um, but, but, you know, also other media, um, open up people's minds to a wider world. And that scares people who would prefer a more homogenous conformist culture. Thank you so much to Jessica Tomlinson for hosting that episode of Pride Connection. We really appreciate you for rising to the occasion and uh, taking the lead on that episode. We also really appreciate everyone who came to the clubhouse to talk about your favorite LGBTQ plus books. If you'd like to lend your voice to Pride Connection, or if you've got some show ideas, please join us on the Pride Connection podcast committee. If you'd like to know when those meetings are, you can become a member of BPI by going to bpi.gay. You'll then receive access to our Discuss mailing lists, where we announce when the Pride Connection podcast committee meetings are. This is Bryn Lee for Pride Connection. We'll see you all next time. Until then, stay proud. I've heard it too many times too. You've been listening to Pride Connection, sponsored by Blind LGBT Pride International. For more information, please visit our brand new website, bpi.gay. Thanks for listening. Thank you.